And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we're going to talk about, yeah, the Nets aren't in the playoffs anymore, but we'll look forward, Brian. You and I are forward-looking people. Nah, I don't want to. I don't want to. Sorry, no, I'm f- it's fine. We're, yeah, I'm, f- I'm past it. I'm processing. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. <laughs> hello. hello. I wanted a flat. What one. do you think? D- <laughs> yeah. What are you thinking about when you're doing, walking into that bad boy hello. of a hello? Hello. It's like Danny Boy. The pipes are calling. It's a sad one. I was trying just, to do a sad. I just don't have the a range. Sad, a sad one. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand. Um, we are the Glue Guys. You can find us at netsdaily.com and the Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall, theathletic.com slash glue guys. Ryan, Mike. the Nets are Somewhere. back in Where the offseason. They? Yeah, they're back in the office. It's kind of sad. So Brian and I made a strategic decision not to pod, really not for like any other reason than just, uh, I mean, we just didn't connect personally. I don't oh, think, oh. I think we both just, we didn't make a strategic anything. We just, both of us didn't reach out. <laughs> To do, didn't a reach out. <laughs> to do a podcast because the worst thing is to, you know, particularly the way the season ended it would have just been we, the pod would have been horrific it would have been sad we would have been stumbling and bumbling uh but we're here now refreshed and yeah. ready to go not stumbling not bumbling ready to ready to knock this one out of the park. fire off takes <laughs> yeah um this episode what we're going to do is we are going to look ahead at some of the big off-season decisions the nets have to make because the nets are in the off-season but before we do that we have to talk about. I mean, we, you and I, haven't actually discussed mm. Game Seven, Bucks Nets. Not yeah. that we're going to go too in depth on it because everyone's already heard it already. And like, do we yeah. really want to talk about it too much? No. Um, but what's your one big thought from uh, the entire the next I mean, season? It's, it's over. A, it's pretty lame that the like big takeaway that undid us was the friggin' injuries. You know, it's just a sad platitude of sports analysis that is it's the least interesting and in this case feels very true that uh you know we had our one kevin durant who god bless him played played his pants off um and james tried to hang in there but ultimately you know didn't uh i don't i think it was pretty clear that his health was compromised all the way through the very end there and uh and then Giannis, a dirty player you know, I was going to ask you how, like, we never properly discussed how we're supposed to feel about what Giannis did to I, Kyrie. Irving. I actually straight up, I've, I've found people have kind of been Giannis, pro Giannis, I would say in the media, yeah. and and I really found my disdain for Giannis over the course of this. <laughs> I mean, this is obviously recently induced prejudice, but having been exposed to just how 
um, clunky and skillless his game is. People people drag James Harden and Trey Young now for their uh, for their game and and, and hunting the for foul fouls. Seeking, yeah. that, is Giannis not just foul seeking in a more earnest way? I mean, he's he's foul seeking because he's the stronger, faster, taller guy in most cases that he goes faster and like bangs into you. But he's got no finesse going on. There's that's oftentimes the best case scenario is careening off somebody. Or in many cases, stepping under them and injuring their ankles. Thank you very much. But it's I just, a very weird play. It's a very strange. Pl- I mean, like for Giannis to box out Kyrie as Kyrie's in the air, because that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Is that Kyrie's in the air and Giannis steps in to box? This isn't a situation where a guy shoots a three and the defender's running out to try to block the shot, but doesn't, but then ends up in the the landing area of the shooter. This was Kyrie's shooting a layup. I mean, I I know, like, who wants this take right now? It just, it was a very weird play, and I feel like (laughs) if if another player, if DeMarcus Cousins had, which is always my go-to bad guy, but if he had gone and done that, it would it would be well. Would they, be they have like this ready made excuse built into Giannis, which is like, oh, he's only played for ten years. You got to he's got limited body control. It's like this guy's the two time MVP. Like, what, what are we talking? <laughs> he can't have it both ways. He can't be some bumbling like kid wearing jeans off the playground and also a multiple MVP. Maybe you know one of the best players in the game right now. You cannot you cannot have that at, in, in equal doses. Really what we are playing out, and if Stanford University psychology students want to take this portion of the podcast and and use it for their next thesis, they may. And if the thesis would be the effect of a seven-game series, Mm. because by the end of seven-game series, you hate everyone. It's impossible. It's impossible. On the other – I hated Brooke Lopez by the end of – I hated Brooke Lopez. I I was like, this guy is annoying. Uh, He makes crazy faces and complains all the time. And how could how could we as Nets podcasters ever hate Brooklyn? He's been a, a friend of the show for many many years. He's been on the show, um, but I hate him. I hated it. I hate Pat Connaughton, Patty? Connaughton, you Connaughton. Hate, you hated Patty. Hated him with every fiber of my being. Yeah. Uh, Chris Middleton didn't really hate, but a, a strong distaste for. It was like a cream soda. Just a str- I don't hate cream soda, just distaste. Mm. And also, you know, the, the Bucks wear cream jerseys sometimes, so it's kind of a nice little... Coincidence? Tag- Brian. <laughs> Coincidence, I think so. Um, I, you know, before we, like, really look forward... I mean, we're not going to, like, do, like, our dive-in off-season preview, because that's, like, no. that would be obscene. That's but there much. are some things to think about, and it's going to relate to what we just saw in the playoffs. Joe Harris won, Bruce Brown two. People, but- people ask me specifically not to dog Joe Harris... Mike, are you gonna well, are you gonna kowtow? You should the- not have one of the worst playoff series in the history of the Nets. <laughs> just, he shouldn't. he was good for the first few games, and he had a great cool. series against Boston. Cool, I'm happy yeah. for him. I'm happy that he had a few good games. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, like that. Yeah. It is the the Joe, and I'll get to the Joe Harris point okay. when we get okay. to the Joe Harris point. But the overall point is how bad he played. Is that now that question will be attached to Joe Harris? until his next playoff series. Mm-hmm. That's how bad he played. It was so bad, and he was so shook that we won't be able to answer the question of whether Joe Harris is a, a reliable playoff performer mm-hmm. until next postseason. And by next postseason, who knows if we're even here, Bri? You know, it's that some, far away. Some weird comments about about Joe Harris from from upper management in the last couple of days. Like, you know, him and Spencer, they're getting... I don't know. There's, there feels like there's a chopping block happening right now, Mike. 
So that's the feeling. Well, we can get blocks into will it. be chopped. Yeah. Um, is that what the chopping block is? They chop blocks. Um, my one big thing. This is it. <laughs> and and you said about the injuries. I think everyone kind of recognizes this, so that's why we want to have some perspective on what we're about to do. If the Nets had even just if Harden was healthy and KD was healthy, this series would have been over in five. If Kyrie and KD were healthy the entirety of the series, series is over in five. Like if if these any of these any of the two, three big of the big three, any two of them were just healthy throughout the entirety of the series, it's over. Mm-hmm. Much less if, if all three were healthy all at the same time, then it would. Probably would have been a sweep. It probably would have been a sweep, honestly. So it's like, how how angry can you get? How 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 much do you really want to pick it apart? How much do you really want to make fun of Joe Harris for not playing well? How much do you really want to key in on the fact that the Nets have not don't have a real center on the roster and that hurt them? And I have a solution to that problem coming up later in the show. Yeah, a big solution that I'm personally excited for. But and I'm sure I'm sure people in the Discord have said it. I promise I'm not I'm not stealing Discord thoughts. It's the Nets weren't healthy, just weren't healthy. Um, I, I push this to you, Brian. Okay. And I think you kind of said this in our in our. It's not even Google Hangout anymore. I think they call it Google Chat. I think they rebranded could that be. section that of the Gmail. That could be happening. Yeah. Um. It's almost. Oh, you said this in the phone call. It's almost better for the Nets that they lose. I mean, so here's here's let's I gotta put this in, this in the Brian right context. Said this, he, said, he said, "Mike, it's better that it happened. Yeah, yeah. It, the championship would have sucked this year. It's better next year." That's here's he the here's the context. You, you and I, I would even go as far as to say, Mike, you're a Nets fan at this point. You've you've earned that mantle. Okay, do you want it? Do you even want that mantle? I'm not sure you do, but I can't really say that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yours if you want. You're an objective journalist, Pulitzer Prize potentially winning someday who knows never, yeah, you someday. Never, yeah someday um but when i crack open the achilles injury pandemic it's been there's a, <laughs> they're all it's all connected man it's all connected <laughs> um and as a nets fan as a lifelong nets fan i've gotten used to the the arc of the nets being generally a downward trending arc in the grand scheme of things you know i've meditated and journaled long enough to have a pretty healthy distance from the emotional you know, fallout of getting booted in the second round of the playoffs due to injury. You know, that just happened because I've been through this, this part of the, I've just been through it. And here's the thing. Ultimately as a Nets fan, it's, it's all, it's all gravy right now. We get to watch Kevin Durant play some of the best basketball of his life for a team that we want to win. It's, it's all that in the grand scheme of things, we should all just take a moment to appreciate that. Also as a Nets fan, you know, we talk about how the Nets, the Nets franchise is hiring Part of the hiring process here in terms of like onboarding new fans is building a compelling narrative. Now, if I'm writing season one Game of Thrones, I don't give you I don't give I don't want to give any spoilers. Well, people. I mean, you could you could do this. I don't right. want to spoil I don't, it. I know, you probably yeah. have not seen Ted Lasso. I've not. I don't even know. What okay. That is. Ted Lasso is like the great. It's the best new comedy TV show that has come out oh. since Parks and Rec. Shout out. Whatever you want to say. It, it was an Apple TV show. Jason Sudeikis is an American football coach who goes to uh, to the UK to coach a soccer team. It's full of pluck and positivity. Okay. And Mina Kimes got mad at me for <laughs> spoiling the end of WandaVision. Yeah. Which which I, I which you really did. which I do about that actually hurt me that I did that to her. Yeah. She was legitimately pissed at you too, you could tell. 
yeah, yeah. She ended the Zoom call. No, she did. But the and you can listen to that episode. It's still out there. Um, Ted Lasso end of season one. It doesn't end in victory. I'll just say it like that. Okay, yeah. it's about a soccer team. Does it end in victory? Mm. The Nets season one, as you're saying, the KD Kyrie, James Harden Nets, yeah, didn't end in victory. You and and you made a really good point. Kevin Durant was so goddamn good mm-hmm. that even in a loss, it was like this is the most one of the most enjoyable ways to lose. You could po- it could possibly happen, right? Yes. Like if Katie's foot, if he were size size sevens like Brian does instead of size thirteens <laughs> like I do. Um, <laughs> what a Such, lame joke! Love that flex though. <laughs> yeah. Thirteens. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, then, then he, then that's the game is over, right? The the game is over. That he he wins on that that shot against Middleton, so he is so great. Mm-hmm. Neck this season, while fun, actually wasn't that fun. If we're going to be real honest with ourselves, injuries, guys in and out of the lineup. We saw the big three for eight full games, right in the regular season. Um, no fans. Just the, here's the positivity. This is the positivity corner that you and I like to stake out on. Going into next season, not only hopefully will you have a, a healthy Kevin Durant, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, that all of them together, fans will be in the stands for every game throughout the entirety of the season, hopefully. Um, Harden and KD are going to be playing in the Olympics preceding that, which is exciting, that, that there'll be Nets Nation over there in Tokyo, and maybe they'll start recruiting Bam Adebayo or another guy to join the Nets. That's where these things happen, recruitment. Mm. Um, And now it's the Nets are the super team with something to prove, right? Little chip, little chip on the shoulder. And I think the way that they lost to the Bucs, how close it was, and and they basically just had Kevin Durant. The way that they lost, the Bucs are probably, I would think are the favorite to win the championship right now. In my mind, I mean, I know the Suns are doing really well, and you could go with the Clippers. I think the the Bucks are probably the favorite in the Hawks series, and whoever they would play in the out of the Western Conference, they're going to be the favorites. Um, the Nets almost beat that team, the Bucks, and they were like at forty percent power, yeah. right? They they were their their iPhone was on low battery <laughs> mode, right? They weren't getting emails fetching on time. No. The, the the fetching was was off. They're getting late emails. Yes. Um, they had the yellow battery instead of the white battery. It was the worst. It was an ugly scene. Yeah. Um, the Nets are going to come in 100% full bar. They're just going to be streaming video mm. for eight hours on their phone. That's how much power they're going to have next season. Yeah. So. And, and in terms of exciting. building that narrative arc, like this is how generous I, I am mostly. This is a me. <laughs> this is a me thing. Is that, yes. you know, in creative, I mean, I, I deserve a championship. I've been here since I, I used to watch. You know, Chris Gatling, brick away, lay bricks all night long in, in the Meadowlands. I have earned this champion, but here's what I want. I don't want to just do it alone. I don't want to do it alone. I want everybody yes. to come along with me. And part of that means having a little patience while, you know, we, we talked about this, having these bedazzled mercenaries on our team, right? And in any in any good narrative arc, there's a Han Solo moment, right? It's where your mercenary finds his philosophical his his dharma, his reason for for doing the right thing. You know, we kind of saw Kevin Durant, like mercenary or not, live and die out there, playing fifty three minutes or something last night or two nights yeah. ago. 
um, and just and just leave it all on the court, full blown. You know, and I think it's without those moments, and even without a little bit of the loss that comes from all that stuff, you can't see uh, you can't see the human side of it. You know, I feel like going into next year, the people who we we brought on in this in this initial pursuit. That really helped anneal their interest in the Nets long term. Now they've got. If it was just straight winning, it's hard. It's just hard to to have a Can lasting a, relationship. It would be awesome, and I, it is a little like it's sad. The Nets lost. Like I, I was excited to talk about this team for no, at least another series or two. Um, championships are fun. Championship parades are great. It would have been amazing. A hundred percent. So like all of that. Yes, of course, you'd rather win a championship. It will be more fun if it happens next year. Because this year, this super team that never had a chance to gel, if they had won a championship, it would have felt like, oh, so it's that easy? You yeah. know, it just would have felt too easy. Yeah. It's like, it's like the, well, I, I was going to do an analogy about virginity, which I'm not going to do. Why not? Uh, you know, I'm just not going to make the, I'm just not going to make a virginity analogy at this moment. Okay. But. Your prerogative. Next year, some delaying gratification will be excitement. You're saying we're, be, we're edging. Be, we're edging into next year. <laughs> That's what you're saying. That's a long uh, time okay. to edge. I, you know, yeah. not for me, but for some people, it's a long time to edge. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break. Yeah. Coming back, we're, we're really going to look, because there's a lot of big questions that the Nets are facing, and we're going to dive each into every – we're, we're not just going to edge. We're going to explode it'll into be, all those it'll questions. It'll be tantric, positively tantric. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back. Thank you, Brian, yeah. for waiting for so long for all those ads. I appreciate all of our mm -hmm. ad partners on the show. Love them. Um, first off, so, and I, I, I will admit fully, a lot of what I'm about to say, all the information, a lot of it has been pulled from the NetsDaily.com, Net Income's article on, like, he has a really great piece of all the things that Sean Marks and the front office have to consider about which players are staying, who may go, and all that type of stuff. So a lot of this is from there, and I appreciate stories like that. It really lays it out cleanly. Uh, the Nets, while have a, a pretty firm core of superstars who are returning, also have to make uh, extension decisions with those superstars, whether those, whether KD, Kyrie, and Harden 
all actually want to make an extension or if they rather just kind of ride it out as it keeps going. Uh, Dinwiddie has opted out. Bruce Brown is a restricted free agent. Vets like Jeff Green, Blake Griffin. Uh, I was going to say Mike James, but I don't know where to really place Mike James in this conversation. And I, I would hope at, we don't at talk the forefront about him. where he belongs. This, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then there's some like end of the bench young guys like Chioza, uh, Reggie Perry, Timothy Luello, Caparo. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of things to figure out mm-hmm. uh, with this team and what they need. Sure. Can I start with the really super big question though? Please. That still relates to the Buck series. Okay. There is a hint, a whisper, of a question around the Nets. Whisper of a question. If you were watching the Bucks series, the worst player on the Nets who was getting paid the most amount of money is Joe Harris. Joe, it makes like sixteen to eighteen million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. His contract is at sixteen, I think, next year too. Then it goes up to eighteen, nineteen the following two years. Um, he was bad. He, he, I, I will be very honest. Uh, he is a large chunk of the reason why the Nets aren't moving on to the next round. Wow. He he missed key shots. Uh, game seven, he had an open three that in the fourth quarter near the end of the game, that if he hits that shot, which he usually does, gives the Nets more to an advantage. And, you know, obviously things can happen differently after that point, but... You know, you're, there's, you're, in, there's, you're in butterfly effect territory, Mike, reliving, you know... I know. You know, it's too far. But anyways... I'm going to ask you, do you think about doing anything with Joe's with Joe Harris, his contract, and saying, you know what, maybe we, maybe as great as Joe Harris is in the regular season, maybe he isn't what we consider to be a playoff player. Maybe he's a guy who, in the playoffs, what he does well in the regular season, teams end up just like... It, can scout it a little bit better, and we know he's not going to be as effective in the postseason. Should we consider moving Joe Harris for something else, and whether whatever that other thing is, or is Joe Harris a hundred percent a net, as actually Sean Marks did say today? But. Well, I'm so I'll put it like this: I'm open to moving anybody, not named the big three, but I just want to make sure that we're talking about it for the right reasons. Okay, like Joe Joe Harris had. He shot 51.3% from three in the Boston Celtics series. Now, I get that that's not a, like a big series. I get that. And if we're trying to play Sigmund Freud, Sigmund, okay, and we're trying to get inside of his head and figure out what's making those dials turn, if that's the argument that we're making, you know, we need more data than just he was good in the Boston series and then bad for the second half, really, of – the Milwaukee series. If we're gonna if we're gonna make the argument that he's like damaged goods, which is basically what we're, well, I guess we're right. saying. Here. That's what we're saying. Yeah, <laughs> like like that he can only reach a certain you know point of competition level before he's he's knees weak, mom spaghetti on his sweater already. Um, then you know that's that's an argument that I'm, I can entertain. I just feel like we need. I feel like we need more. I hate to say it because I know that, like, you know, I mean, and again, he's a role player ultimately on this team. And so, like, you know, you can look down the bench. He's the he's the most well-paid role player. So it's 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 fun and easy to target that guy. Quite well-paid. Yes. A, a, at the highest, he is the King Midas of of role players. No, King Midas, it was a, he turned things to gold. Didn't so. really, yeah, it didn't, he wasn't well-paid. He just made things. Doesn't matter. Rockefeller. 
He's the, I don't know. Someone He's the Julia Roberts of role players. <laughs> yeah. Right? I don't yes. know. Yep. She was runaway, a well-paid runaway bride. An anxiety issue. There you go. You know, I, and again, like, I don't like to spec- sit behind my microphone here with, you know, my green screen, speculate about people's anxiety problems. No, but I mean, we just have to be honest. Like, he, he did not play well. Like, it was more than just he missed shots. I get it. But we're, we're, what we're trying he to do play, is... He was bad on defense. <laughs> we're trying to build... Let's, he let's didn't call drive like it the is. ball at all. Let's call it like it is, Mike. Yeah. We're trying to say he's got a problem with with performing in big moments. That's I mean, ultimately, that's what we're trying we to say. We talked about like, edging. We talked about, <laughs> you know, one of our sponsors <laughs> is Roman. <laughs> Yes. You know, if you're in yeah. problem with your performance, you might want to check out Roman. Check out Roman. Roman.com slash glue. Get yourself, get yourself some help. Love, love you know, that. If you need it. Love when that happens. But I'm just saying, like, we, this is a very, we're trying to, you know, make a very specific case. about. You're afraid wh- to say what you want to say. I'm not. I'm you, just saying, I think it's, I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting to be like, we should trade this guy because at like high pressure playoff moments, that's where he just like has a, a cap. A cap. I think that's an interesting, like, reason to trade a guy who basically is, you know, one of the most efficient three pointer. You know, he's a yes. specialist. Blah, blah blah blah. Everyone knows, and he's more than just a three point shooter, Mike. Don't forget, he can, he can do a whole. <laughs> but but he, he didn't do any of that in the playoffs. He didn't. He didn't but do any of that. Let let me. So part of what I think with the Joe Harris trade discussion, and I'll come out and just say I don't. They're not going to trade him unless they really. There is someone out there that they think can really help their team because one, he is an expensive player. So the guy you're trading for is also going to be another expensive player. If you packaged him and DeAndre Jordan together, which would which I don't know what team would want those two people together necessarily. Joe Harris is a valued asset, but DeAndre is a negative at this point. But if you value put those two guys together, that's about $28 million in a deal. That's 27, 26, whatever it is. You can get a really good player at that price. There's a lot of guys in the NBA that can fit into that salary cap slot. But who are you going to bring in that is better than Joe Harris, right? Like, because, like, what would you want? I think if you were to create the perfect player, it would basically be Joe Harris, but a better defender, like an actual better defender. As much as, like, we defend Joe's defense, he was bad in the playoffs. He was bad against Boston, <laughs> and he was bad against the Bucks. I was it wasn't a little... that he was exposed. He wasn't exposed. I'm not saying that, but he was not good. Yeah. A feeling I didn't oh. like was that I was looking over jealously at Pat Connaughton, which is I never want to I never want to feel that way, but that's yeah. <laughs> that's that's the And he showed up. Yeah. He scored 9 points in game se- I think it was 9 points in game 7 and the, you know, I don't know what Joe scored, but like Pat Connaughton also shouldn't be playing better than Joe Harris. He but just he, did. he just had very meaningful. Whenever Pat Connaughton hits a shot, I just feel like I remember it very clearly. You know, it just feels timely. He's got that. He's got clutch. It could be an Irish thing. I don't know. Could be. <laughs> so I, I just that's like it's going to be a very interesting discussion. Part of also what weighs into the Joe Harris thing is like, do the big three trust Joe? Because we've seen guys move in and out of the lineup because Harden. KD or Kyrie don't trust someone. And in the playoffs, Nash basically eliminated his bench by the end because he couldn't trust Nick Claxton. He couldn't trust, you know, anyone but basically Jeff Green, Joe Harris, and I don't know who else got minutes in that final game. Bruce Brown, you know, like that's all Steve Nash could trust. Joe Harris played a bunch of minutes in the playoffs. So I think there there's still trust there. Joe Harris is way better than Landry Shamit. But the, here's a scenario. Here's a scenario where you do it, okay? Where you do a Joe Harris trade. It's one. It's where you know you're going to be able to flip him for like a really versatile 
three and D guy who is three point shot is like kind of more average, but the defense is really there and you're sending him to a team that like really needs that three point shooting that Joe Harris could do. Like, I don't know what that mythical team is, but it could be out there. Hypothetical. I don't know really why I said mythical. And you would do that if you also know, and this is, everyone's going to love this. If you're going to get JJ Redick on a vet men deal, because which, which what, is locked up basically that's, that's ready for if you want it. Right, JJ Redick, like I mean, we might basic, do that. We might do that anyways. Worn yeah. a Nets jersey like yeah. on every podcast, on, like under he, his jersey, under his <laughs> Pelicans jersey, he had a Nets jersey. You on. know how Michael Jordan would wear the the Tar Heels, the University of North Carolina shorts underneath his Bulls shorts. He would wear his college shorts. Like JJ's doing the same thing right. with a basket, with a basket jersey. He's wearing. Is that how you say it? Right, basket. <laughs> I don't know what that is. That's the artist who the you know the Nets. Oh, oh, ba- Basquiat, Basquiat. Yeah. Excuse, yeah, I should know that. I mean, they he they wear that jersey like all the time. Yeah. at this point, I, should know that, <laughs> I thought you were trying to say like basketball, and then just a <laughs> it's like oh, what? what is happening? Just being pretentious. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so th- I will say that. So, if you're Sean Marks and Steve or uh, JJ Reddick's texting you and saying, "I'm gonna, I'm playing for your team. You don't have to sign me. I'm just gonna play. I'll play for free. I just want to live in Brooklyn." I want to do my podcast and then get KD, Kyrie, Harden on as guests. Mm. Like if I would, I understand that completely. So if you get JJ Redick, he's like a seventy-five percent approximation, maybe even better of like not better, but like maybe eighty-five percent of Joe Harris, right? Hey, bro. Sorry, oh, my son. Baby time. Hey, bro. Is mommy out there? Okay, go get mommy. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> Man, nice. Well. Um. And then you can say, okay, I know that the Orlando Magic or the Indiana Pacers or whatever team, because Joe Harris would be desired, even though he has a high salary. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league. So if you know that you're going to get J.J., plus there's a team out there that could really use Joe Harris, and you could get someone that's a bigger wing, versatile, doesn't need the ball like Joe, but also can like do maybe do a little bit of extra stuff. That's when you do a Joe Harris trade. But beyond that, mm. like, in, as you said, J.J. Reddick may still be on this team and you, Joe Harris. That'd be great. Then you can move Landry Shamit if you want to at that point. Yeah. Um, how how buried in is DeAndre? I mean, he, surely he can't be along for the, We'll get there. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead. No, no I, let's get there right now. I, okay. I posted up my finger for the YouTube audience. My finger was raised okay. because that is that means that's a that's a signal for a great point, Brian. Oh, great. Um. DeAndre Jordan, let's get to that. Yeah. So the Joe Harris thing, like I think, I think we're in agreement. It's basically, don't freak out. Don't just don't just trade him because he didn't play well for four games, right? It's let don't him let him be on the team, and then if you have to trade him next year or whatever, you do that. He's probably going to be better in the playoffs next year when he's playing with Harden, KD, and Kyrie. Okay, let's hope. DeAndre, what? Yeah, DeAndre Jordan, two years left on his contract. About nine and a half million dollars per year. Um, he didn't play. I don't know if you know this. Didn't play basketball. We we called that wrong. I, I honestly I thought he was going to get at least some token garbage time minutes. Nothing. Nada. Nada. Nothing. And and I had said boldly that he would play in the first game. Yeah, that and was that bold. was a lie. I wanted to sh- uh, I wanted to shake you when you said that. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the thing about DeAndre Jordan. Okay, so to get for the Nets to get rid of him. The Nets have like four picks in the in the NBA draft coming up. Yeah, but they're all bad. 
they're all bad and you know like there's teams like the thunder and people like that like there's very there's actually a very few bucket of teams that have salary cap space that would use that space to get draft picks and all that stuff one of those teams i guess could be the houston rockets um, the Houston Rockets have a lot of salary decisions they have to figure out. Like Victor Oladipo is going to be – oh, no, he's already in Miami, right, or something like that. But they have some guys that they need to figure out. But they're a team that's not trying to take on any money at all because their owner, Tillman Fertitta, you know, had money troubles and all that stuff. So that what you could do with DeAndre is one of two things. It's one, you basically take those draft picks and you just say to the team, hey, you can have basically all, all of them. And you get DeAndre Jordan for two years and we get to save money. Or you stretch provision him – you know, you save $5 million per year because you stretch it out over four years. And that actually saves even more money for Josiah because it would save money on luxury tax and all that stuff. Let me ask this to you, though, Brian. Mm. There's a person at the center of this, DeAndre Jordan. Okay. Do you think he wants to be here? Like, do you think he – do you think there's a, a sense of, like, like – I don't want to leave because if I go anywhere else, like, what am I going to do? Just play for a bad team and make not like make the veteran minimum. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, where's he going to go? At, you I, know, like, I, what team would want DeAndre Jordan at this point? I don't want to speak out of turn here. I think DeAndre is pretty happy where he is, <laughs> even despite the not playing. Which, if there was a little bit of playing, I think he'd like that better. But I think he's he's fine with the not playing and hanging out with his friends on an elite team rather than. Probably also not playing in you know the hinterlands of the NBA somewhere. I think he's. I think. I think he would like to stick it out. If I could. Is guess. he done? Is he done? Do you think? Is there is there a version of like DeAndre starts eating meat in the off season and gets big again? Not to be anti-vegan, but he starts eating meat again, and then he starts winning. Like he's. You don't need to like eat meat to get to get thick. You can just eat cheese. You can just eat yeah. cheese. Oh no, it's vegan. Wait, there, there's never been. By the way, in the history of sports. It's always been I I I am now vegan and then like best shape of my life, right? I would love it just for just a curveball, not because I'm like a like a hardcore meat eater. Yeah. If he just it was like I started eating bacon and steaks and then he he got back to his twenty and ten <laughs> three blocks a game. Self. He doesn't even need to. He can just drink beer and eat bread because croissants and beer. That's Croissant. all. That's that's all you need. So do you think he's done done or is it just because it was like playoff time? That's why I think he's, I think he's basically done. This done. was the most egregious, not like DNPs I've, I've seen from a guy who like basically played starter minutes the first half of the season. And just that, that duality of now you're done and we never see you again is it's, um, it's sort of unprecedented and especially for a guy that just like wasn't injured. Doesn't like, it's just, no. I've never, I, I have could not. have been used in a series where you're playing against a really big team. Do you think any part of you think like, maybe we should just get, have given it a look against the bucks at some point, just to, yeah, just to look a little bit. I mean, we lost some a games. We did lose four out of the seven games and a couple of them weren't, you know, particularly well, game four. I would have stuck him in there at some point. I feel like, I don't know. Just, just would have well, maybe seen what – maybe there's something we don't know. Maybe there's just like true animosity about this dude that, that we're not like figured out yet. I, I find that – you know, that's just me speculating. I have no reason to believe anything. Well, no, no, no. But, but I will say we – you and I, while DeAndre was playing, there was a, so many moments where James Harden would basically just not yell at him but be like explain, mansplain. He was mansplaining was his face off every second of every game. It was 
I felt uncomfortable for DeAndre at that point. Yeah, and and Steve Nash is connected enough to what is I, I think what his stars feel like to know that it'll he was given the the creative freedom to bench DeAndre, right? Like if if Kevin Durant thought DeAndre Jordan could help them in a series, Kevin Durant would have said to Steve, "Hey, maybe we should play DeAndre," and Steve Nash probably would have done it. Not as a command, just as like, hey, I'm a good listener. Um, the, the DeAndre Jordan thing is like, I think he's on this team partly also because uh, his contract, while it's terrible and one of the worst in the NBA, is helpful in trades. Like if you stretch provision him, you can't trade him. <laughs> you can't trade his stretched out contract. They, the, you, he's, just, he's just on the books. There's no nothing there. It's just a negative. Or if he's on your team, maybe you get some minutes for him, whatever. Or and you can just throw him into any deal, and you say, yeah, we'll have to pay an extra few second round picks to do that. But at least it's a contract that matches up with something. So I think he's on the team, unless if it's like DeAndre Jordan's like, I really don't want to be here. Um, I'm wondering, like, it's it's an interesting. Well, I mean, I guess. Because also Claxton didn't play basically that entire series either. Um, So, like, it feels to me a very purposeful, we're going small, you know, business decision, as they say, um, which you can go back and forth on. But it's like, I wonder at the top levels if they, I mean, I guess because it's in a series, a long series of DNPs. So you have to, you have to assume that it's just like he's on, you know, indefinite DNP status. It's a weird thing. I wonder if he also just isn't a kind of guy that we lean on more in the regular season because that matters less for a team with deep playoff aspirations like ours. And, you know, we want to make sure everyone's well rested. And that's a that's another sort of thing. But again, like we just didn't do that towards the end. And maybe that was because we needed to get Nick Claxton some reps. It's hard to know. It's hard. I wish Steve Nash made himself available to us so that we could ask him. <laughs> but um, in lieu of that, we'll just keep grasping at straws here, Mike. Someone who was very important to the Nets playoff run and particularly against the Bucks was Bruce Brown. And like, I did not think to start the season while you and I like both supported the Bruce Brown trade. I didn't think I'd have to grapple with the idea that him being a restricted free agent this off season would like shake me to my core that like there's a chance that Bruce Brown won't be a net. And it's actually a, probably a better chance that he won't be a net. Um, Bruce Brown is a restricted free agent. And if you kind of sniff around, there's not like too many reports of like, hey, this is how much money Bruce Brown is going to get. The thing that I did, which I will, I always do in free agency, is just look at comps and look at how much guys got paid in the past and see if there's, you know, like a guy like Bruce Brown, other players like him, how much money they've got paid. Okay. Two important numbers to know. There's the mid-level exception and the taxpayer mid-level exception. The full mid-level non-taxpayer is 9.5 next year, next season, whatever this offseason is. I think that's the that's the estimate, but or exact. The taxpayer mid-level, which is what the Nets will have, is 5.9. Now, here are a couple of guys who make just about the full mid-level, the 9.5. DeAnthony Melton, Jay Crowder, Derek Jones, DeLon Wright, Royce O'Neal. Those are all guys that feel pretty Bruce Brownie. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Like those are like Derek Jones Jr. way overpaid because he really wasn't that good. D'Anthony Melton's a better shooter. 
it, but but basically it's less is is sort of like Bruce Brown. Jay Crowder's more proven, but again, they're essentially the same player. Um, Royce O'Neal and DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright's horrible and all that stuff. So <clears throat> that that feel like nine point five million dollars to the Nets. The Nets have the ability. I think they have Brown's bird rights. They have the ability to to sign him for whatever amount of money they need to, but that's a lot of money for a team that is as high into the luxury tax as they are. Yeah. Um, the the just for reference sake, the taxpayer mid level exception guys, the guy that the five point nine million, that's your Alex Burks, Ish Smith, Avery Bradley, and Justin Holiday. I think Bruce Brown is better than all four of those players at this point. I think he's more important. The fact that he was on a high-profile Brooklyn team and ended up being one of the guys that they relied on most in the playoffs, I think that proved to a lot of other teams that, hey, Bruce Brown's worth something. Do you think Bruce Brown's going to come back to the Nets? So I've, I'm, I still, I'm going to give this a lot of thought. I got time, so I got some yeah, time to think about it. Yeah, this is just freelancing. One of my initial concerns with Bruce was, you know, towards the end of that series against Milwaukee, he was getting targeted on offense when he when we had the ball. They wanted to get somebody to pass the ball to Bruce Brown, like let him sort of float out to the perimeter, and then put him on an island by having his defender slag way off of him, and then everyone face-guarded their guy when he got the ball. So it put him in an awkward position to make a bad pass or shoot a shot that he doesn't want to shoot or try to dribble. And the limitations, again, friend of the show, love Bruce Brown, super of huge fan of, of Bruce Brown. I do think he got a little bit exploited on that in that series. So Brian, you're trying to drive his value down. Oh my God. Oh, you're, I'm you're playing, awful. I'm playing 40 to make money over. I'm here. playing 40 chess. Like I, you know, I want, I want the nets to wrap them up. So I'm trying to put out, come on, <laughs> come on, go with me here. I know the execs are going to be listening. So I'm just trying to plant some, I'm pouring poison in their ears is what I'm doing. Mike. I love it. I absolutely um, love because it. I want to keep Bruce Brown, but I want to do it at a reasonable price. Um, that's me. I'm selfish. I mean, I always want to ever get it paid, but like, I also, you know, I know that we won't be able to keep him if we pay him what he's asking for. So exactly. You know, I'm, I'm torn between Nets fandom and Bruce love. What do I do? Um, so I pour poison in the exec's ears. This is what I do, Mike. <laughs> and I say that he got, he has these spe- very specific limitations that make him a liability in a seven game series and hope for the best. It, my thing is like Bruce Brown or whatever. So Bruce Brown for John and Musa, is a massive plus, right? The guy who made that trade is still running the team. Bruce Brown at $9.5 million a year, while I support it, if you're like, if you're the Washington Wizards, if you're a team that is, is looking for defense, toughness, and you're not that good, um, that Bruce that, Brown makes a whole, that whole feels lot like, of sense to I you. didn't even think of the Wizards, and that's such a, I mean, the Wizards are going to do that. That's just going to happen. Yeah. yeah. They, but for the Nets, like, let's be honest, if the Nets had Kyrie, Harden, KD, we we'd be we're we're gonna be okay if Bruce Brown leaves, and I think that you could get an a Bruce a Bruce Brown approximate for cheap again. You're not gonna get someone as good as because Bruce really showed a lot. Like oh, yeah. in the end, like kind of <laughs> a guard who could be in the paint and shoot those floaters against seven footers, and and to be willing to set screens and do the dirty work like that that is a rare player, totally. but. You could find a guy kind of like that somewhere else. I mean, he's super unique, and those delts you can't you can't just 
you know, slap those on just anybody. Those are those are <laughs> au naturel, and they are responsible for some of the best picks in the biz. Um, it's a it'd be a huge loss. He's but he's a kind of a really unique role player. I mean, ultimately, and here's the thing: like if Landry Shamit, for example tacks on a little bit more doggedness onto his game and you know really commits to being like the defensive first guard like there's a couple guys that can fill some part of that void because that's really like like we had a, we had a, just a chris middleton a middle ditch problem uh towards the end of those games and you know i don't know why i laugh every time with that but i, I, I always <laughs> laugh at it um because it's great it's my best joke um but we have a problem with him, and like I felt like, why isn't you know why don't we have someone like Landry Shamet who can like try like you know Chris Middleton's good, he's not great, I don't think, and his moves are like you know he he wants to be he's a Rip Hamilton you know and Landry Shamet is is designed specifically his his sleek frame is sort of designed to chase a guy like that around, and he just kind of like wasn't there to be put. He's a young man, and he wasn't ready for that position, I guess. Um, there's a couple places where I, th- I feel like there's leveling up to be done from the role players that can help fill these gaps. Shamit, I'm looking yeah. at you, you know, obviously Claxton, so on and so forth. So if we're, if push comes to shove, we lose Bruce Brown, which honestly, it seems fairly eminent. So I think everyone needs to like get ready for that. Cause it seems like it's going to happen. If you're, if I'm a betting man, you know, get ready for your Bruce Brown sh- bottle champagne send off. Um, yeah. you know, I, that's where I want to see other guys step up and fill a considerable gap he'll leave behind Mike considerable hey well you're gonna hear an awkward transition this is this is actually the awkward transition while brian and i were recording our pod uh the my power went out and because we're doing virtual recording uh the zoom died so this is me ending the pod so if you hear this little section the pod is going to be over in 10 seconds but brian and i will have so much more about this nets team All summer long, do not fret. Thank you for listening.